TheFinsider.com and the SB Nation Network. And now your co-host, MC Money, Sergeant the Creepy Soccer Dad, and Houts MD. Hello everybody and welcome to Finsider Radio. This is MC Money, joined by Sergeant the Creepy Soccer Dad and Houts MD. The Miami Dolphins coming off a 20-12 victory over the New York Jets. They're going to take a 2-0 record and head into Sunday's game against the Oakland Raiders, who are 0-2. Will the Dolphins remain undefeated or will the Oakland Raiders get their first win of the season? The Raiders traveling across the coast for a one o'clock game. History shows that is not great for West Coast teams and a history should be on the Dolphins side here. But as they say, that's why they play the game. Media schedule for this coming week for the Miami Dolphins and practice schedule, I should say. Wednesday, they're practicing. Adam Gase meets with the media at 1.15 p.m. Thursday, they're practicing. Adam Gase meets with the media at 1.05 p.m. Friday, they practice, and Adam Gase meets with the media at 12.20 p.m. Nothing on Saturday, and then week three versus Oakland on CBS. Greg Gumbel with the play-by-play. Trent Green as the color analyst and joined by Bruce Arians, who had a very nice debut this past weekend. Melanie Collins on the sideline. Of course, your regular radio broadcasters as well. The Miami Dolphins coming into this game, as we mentioned, 2-0. and A lot of to talk about from the last game, which we Released on Sunday evening. If you have not listened to our recap against the New York Jets and you want to do so, just check our episode history. And Dolphins will return home after being on the road. They're looking for their first 3-0 start since 2013 and just the 13th 3-0 start in team history. The Dolphins last hosted Oakland in 2017, a Sunday night football matchup in which the Raiders won 27-24. This will mark just the second time that Raiders head coach John Gruden has been the head coach in a regular season game at Hard Rock Stadium. At that time in 2001, the Dolphins defeated the Raiders 18-15. to So far, they are 1-0, of course, at Hard Rock Stadium this season. In 2016, which was the first year with the canopy, the Dolphins went 6-2 at home, their best home record since 2002. They had a stretch of five straight home victories in the middle of the 2016 season. That was their team's longest home winning streak since 2001 and 2002. The Dolphins picking up right where they left off last season and in week one after they won 27-20 against the Titans. They won 20-12 versus the New York Jets. The Dolphins are 15-5 in one-score games. That's an eight-point margin or less in the Adam Gase era, which is 2016 to present. This includes a stretch of 12 straight wins in one-score games from September 25th, 2016 to October 22nd. 2017. In our view. Lots to talk about here as we head in to the game versus the Oakland Raiders. And the first up we're going to talk about is the Dolphins offensive passing attack and how it's, you know, we've seen Tannehill. Lots of discussion on Twitter this week, even still with him having a good game. For me, how it's, I, I look at Tannehill and I say this. He will never be elite like Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. He will never be as bad as the guys like Blaine Gabber and some of the lower quarterbacks like Tyrod Taylor towards the bottom of the league. I think he's a little above average. I think he could be in the top 10, top 12, but he's a little more than a game manager. He's not going to hurt the team if you don't give him the chance to. But I think we've seen what Ryan Tannehill is, and for me, that's completely fine with a deadly running attack and a nice defense to go along with it. So as we come into this game against the Oakland Raiders, Ryan Tannehill is going to have to watch out for Khalil Mack. Actually, oh wait, 
the Raiders traded Khalil Mack. So I think the Dolphins' passing attack might be just fine going against the banked-up defensive line and linebackers in secondary for the Oakland Raiders. Houts, what do you say? Yeah, I think uh, the guy that everyone loves to hate, I think a lot of us have our opinion about Omar Kelly, but he said it best. Ryan Tannehill is Alex Smith. I mean, I think when you look at those career, what they've done throughout their career, you know, kind of that hierarchy in which they've gone. I mean, Ryan Tannehill is going down that path. He, he's the mobile quarterback who can do things with his legs. But, I mean, I think that's the perfect comparison, and nobody should be upset if the Dolphins find an Alex Smith with Ryan Tannehill. Uh, throughout the first two games, he's 37-51, 398 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, the biggest concern I have is him protecting the football. I mean, you saw it with that fumble there late. I think it was the third quarter where the ball just slipped out. Thankfully, Xavier Howard bailed him out. Uh, he just seems to be a little bit shaky when the pressure seems to mount, and that's something that you really haven't seen from him in years past. But if Ryan Tannehill can protect the football, I think he can be a very good quarterback. We're now 2-0. and Ryan Tannehill is 9-1 and in the last 10 games that he started. Uh, it's nice to have our quarterback back. It's definitely not Jay Cutler. It's definitely not Matt Moore. It's definitely not David Fales. We have Ryan Tannehill, and he's showing the world what he can do and that he's a serviceable quarterback. You look at the passing attack. You look at what he's done. He's spread the football out. Danny Amendola, eight receptions, 58 yards. Jakeem Grant, seven receptions, 65 yards. Kenyon Drake, seven receptions, 35. Kenny Still, six, 123, and two touchdowns. Albert Wilson, six, and one touchdown. He is spreading the ball out to everyone in the passing attack. You have not heard anything about the Dolphins missing Jarvis Landry, and that's why. I mean, this is Adam Gase's offense. You see what these weapons do. They come in here. They can all kind of play the same role. Uh, We haven't even got Devontae Parker back, which I'm sure that's something we'll touch on. But, I mean, you look at these receivers. They're interchangeable. They all can do the same stuff in that short intermediate game. And then you got those guys who can just burn you with speed. Jakeem Grant, Kenny Stills takes the top off the defenses. Uh, this is one of the more exciting offenses this team has had. It's definitely some of the better weapons Ryan Tannehill has had. And, I mean, you said it best. Oakland, they have no pass rush, really. Uh, their secondary is banged up. They're 0-2. Uh, all that money they sh- shelved out there to Chucky, I mean, yeah, he's really not living up to expectations. So this is a game they're traveling across country. You kind of hope the Dolphins can beat up on them, and that's kind of how I see things going. But but overall, the passing attack, uh, it's lived up to all the hype that we – kind of as fans gave to it throughout preseason. Ryan Tannehill is the NFL's winningest quarterback in his past 10 starts. Let me repeat that. He's the NFL's winningest quarterback in his past 10 starts. He's led the Dolphins to nine wins in his past 10 starts, dating back to 2016, which is tied for the best mark by a starting quarterback in the NFL. Tied with Carson Wentz and Case Keenum, followed by Tom Brady and Jared Goff. As we've mentioned many times on this podcast, Tannehill has played some of his best football of his career under head coach Adam Gase. Adam Gase and Ryan Tannehill are 10-5 and five in games that Tannehill starts. And in those 15 games, the Dolphins have connected on a 50-plus yard pass in eight of them. He's averaging 7.7 yards per attempt and has a 94.8 quarterback rating in those 15 starts under Adam Gase. His 7.7 yards per attempt since 2016 is seventh in the NFL in that span. And, of course, doing it on the ground as he did on the ground against the New York Jets, he's not only been an effective passer – but with his mobility and running ability during a seven-year NFL career, he is a Dolphins all-time career leader in rushing yards by a quarterback with 1,113 yards on the ground. That's based off of 228 attempts. Now, the Dolphins' rushing attack goes beyond Ryan Tannehill. You got Kenyon Drake. You got Frank Gore. The Dolphins are one of the leading uh, teams in the NFL right now with yards per attempt. 
and they have a deadly rushing attack with the Drake and Gore connection and combination. So Sutton, as you look ahead to the Oakland Raiders, what does it look like for the Miami Dolphins on the ground this coming Sunday? I looked at their first two games, and what I noticed was getting outside was where some of the more productive runs happened. Week one, the Rams were able to attack it with a jet sweep action. You saw a lot of jet sweep, especially early in the game. Uh, sometimes they handed it to the wide receiver who was able to get some good chunk yardage, and then they mixed in later that fake jet sweep action with Todd Gurley going off tackle and was able to get some good yardage that way. Denver did a, a slightly different approach. They didn't have the jet sweep motion beforehand, uh, but they did something um, with their formations to be able to get – uh, on the strong side, be able to get Philip Lindsay outside a couple of times, and they were able to get some good yardage that way. So I think our team speed is going to be an issue for Oakland, and I think that's why you saw week one, you saw that jet sweep action. You want to take advantage of that speed that you have going already, and Oakland's linebacker group I think is one that can be taken advantage of. Uh, they're a pretty sound tackling group, but fairly nondescript. I mean, they have Derek Johnson back there. He's no spring chicken anymore. So I think that there are definitely some opportunities for Drake, especially if he's able to get outside. You know, they have a, a three-man rotation right now of Bruce Irvin, Arden Key, Frosty Rucker. Now, Key and Rucker, uh, they probably have the best run defense out of that defensive end group so if you see Bruce Irvin in there I think you run right at him they have a four-man rotation at D tackle but it's not anybody I'm worried about than Hankins you might recognize that name but he's only had 18 snaps to this point and really the only productive person on the interior of the defense that I've noticed so far is Clint McDonald for Oakland so I really think we could manufacture yards on the inside of that offensive line too I, I like the matchup of our offensive line versus their defensive line. And just want to note that the Miami Dolphins are the number one run ratio team in the entire NFL right now. So I think if we can establish that run, it opens up that play action game. I'm sorry I keep saying that every week, but I think it's a really great scheme for us. And I think if we can get the run game going, especially early and wear down this Oakland defense and the heat at Hard Rock, I think things are looking up for us. Frank Gore, last game against the New York Jets. He passed Curtis Martin as the fourth leading rusher in NFL history. He ranks, as we just said, number four behind Emmett Smith, Walter Payton, and Barry Sanders. He has 3,244 yards, or I mean 3,244 attempts, 14,112 yards. Barry Sanders has 15,269 yards. So if Gore wants to pass Barry Sanders and get to number three, he will probably have to play at least another year or two as he is a secondary back on the Miami Dolphins. He's played in 114 consecutive games. That's not only the most by an active running back, but the most by any active offensive skill player. Him combined with Kenyon Drake. When Kenyon Drake became the featured back in week 13 versus Denver last season, he exploded onto the scene. And since then, he's the third in the NFL in rushing with 492 yards on 105 carries, 4.7 yards per carry. His 116 carries are fifth in the league in that span. He's tied for third in the NFL with 140 offensive touches 
and third with 730 scrimmage yards in that span. 116 attempts, 545 yards. The only two ahead of him, Todd Gurley and Kareem Hunt. Now, talking about rushing, but jumping to the other side of the ball, Houts. Dolphins, their run game looked good last week. I think it was they only let up 42 yards on the ground to the New York Jets with Blau Power with Isaiah Crowell and others mixed in there. The Jets just could not get it going. In fact, Ryan Tannehill had more rushing yards on the ground than the entire Jets team combined. You look at the loss of Adamic and Sue, and everyone said he was that gut up the middle, which you just couldn't run on them. But as we saw last season and the years before that with Adamic and Sue here, the other teams just ran all over the Dolphins. Now he's gone, and the Dolphins are actually better at the stopping the run, and they've just been improving every single week since the preseason began. Now, coming up against the Raiders, they have a very tough test with Marshawn Lynch with Doug Martin. Can the Dolphins, do the Dolphins have enough strength in that defensive secondary and the defensive middle front with those linebackers? You look at an athletic guy like Jerome Baker. Is he going to be able to take down a guy like Marshawn Lynch? I think that's going to be a little tough. So then you got Raekwon and Kiko. And then, of course, you got the heavy heaters, TJ McDonald, Rashad Jones, and yes, even Minka Fitzpatrick. Can't forget about the defensive line either. Robert Quinn making a huge impact. And listen, Devon Godshaw and Vincent Taylor, they are the unsung heroes of that defensive line. And even Jordan Phillips, who laid a licking on Sam Darnold last game when he sacked him. How it's looking at this Dolphins defense and looking at the Raiders rushing attack. We know John Gruden loves to run the football. That's basically all he's done on the first few drives when they opened up each of their games thus far. How do the Dolphins' defense stack up against the Raiders' rushing attack? All that was discussed all offseason long was how the Dolphins uh, lose in the Dominicans to infect this team. And so far early on, it has not one bit. We have Vincent Taylor, like Kanata said, Devon Godshaw. I mean, those guys have stepped up in his absence. And overall, the entire defense as a whole. We stopped Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis in week one. Last week, Bilal Powell, the Dolphin killer. Isaiah Crowell, I mean, Ryan Tannehill outrushed both of those guys. So the run defense has been superb early on, and a lot of that, and I must admit I was wrong. Kiko Alonso, year one, I loved you. I was so excited when that trade went through. I was down in Florida uh, with my wife, who's an Eagles fan. I was ecstatic that that trade went through. Uh, Up and down 2017 season made me kind of think, you know, you might be overpaid. Maybe this isn't something that we need here in Miami. And then so far early on, 19 tackles. One interception, two forced fumbles. You've been playing out of your mind, sideline to sideline. So, Kiko Alonso, I apologize. We need you. You're the best linebacker currently on the roster. Uh, and if it wasn't for you, I mean, that run defense wouldn't be what it is. We are currently the fourth-ranked defense in the NFL. Um, so, do I think Marshawn Lynch and Doug Martin are going to be, you know, they're going to have an impact? Maybe so. I mean, for Oakland to have success, they need to establish that run game early on, but Throughout two games, Marshawn Lynch, 29 attempts, 106 yards, 3.7 yards a carry, two touchdowns. I mean, he is a guy who can go beast mode, basically. I mean, that's his nickname. He can break tackles. He can do it all. But uh, am I concerned? No. I'm, I'm not too concerned about the run game. I'm not too concerned about Oakland in general. I think you got those guys up front, the Willie Hayes who comes in there, the Keem Spence, Jordan Phillips if he's healthy, Robert Quinn on the outside, Cameron Wake on the other side. Alonzo, Baker, McMillan. I think this team has the potential to go out there and just annihilate the Oakland Raiders. Will it happen? Probably not because, you know, this is a game where you kind of expect the Dolphins on paper to go out there and bully them. So it probably won't happen. 
Raiders have a good offensive line, but I'm not too concerned about Doug Martin, and I'm a little bit hesitant to say I'm not too concerned about Marshawn Lynch. But based on what they did to Derrick Henry, who, I mean, that's a younger version of Marshawn right there. So I think the Dolphins are going to go out there. They're going to have success stopping the run, force Derrick Carr to throw the football. And when you got Xavier Howard lined up on Amari Cooper, Jordy Nelson, Bayou McCain, you got Minka Fitzpatrick playing throughout. Uh, this is a game the Dolphins should go out there, and they should win pretty handily, at least on paper. I'm not worried about Doug Martin, but Marshawn Lynch, only because he's such a ruthless runner and just has that power. But if the Dolphins do that gang hit tackle mentality, which they've been preaching all preseason and during the regular season so far, I don't think they're going to have a problem. Now with the uh, passing defense and, and going against Derek Carr and Amari Cooper and Jared Cook and some other guys on that Raiders offense, certain you know, you got Xavier Howard a counter, you got Minka Fitzpatrick, you got Bobby McCain a counter, and they've all been having a great season thus far. You got Rashad Jones and TJ McDonald in the secondary. Now, Xavier Howard, who picked off Sam Darnold in the critical interception in that end zone, um, where it flipped the momentum with the end zone pick, it gave Howard his fifth interception in the past seven games, dating back to the 2017 season, which is the most in the NFL in that span. Only behind him is Quandre Driggs with four, Darius Slay and Marcus Williams both with four as well. His 10 passes defense in his past seven games are tied for fifth most in the NFL in that span. Howard's pick six versus Denver on December 3rd, going back to 2017, was his first Miami's first interception return for a touchdown since Kiko Alonso won the San Diego game, if you remember, back in 2016 with a 60-yard interception return for a touchdown. Now, Howard's the first cornerback in Dolphins history to have multiple interceptions in consecutive games, and his two interceptions back in 2017 versus the Patriots Gave Tom Brady his first multi-interception game since December 6, 2015. I was so wrong about Xavier Howard. I said last year that he was a bust, and then all of a sudden he turned it on, and I could not have been more glad to have been more wrong in my life. Xavier Howard is a shutdown cornerback. Bobby McCain has impressed thus far on the boundary. Minka is doing great things. Yes, there's some blown coverages still. There's some miscommunications, but I think the Dolphins are – uh, cleaning that up a bit. And to be honest with you, you have not seen in either week thus far the Titans doing much damage. And they have another test with Jared Cook. So we'll see how that does. But just a few more notes here. The defense have kicked off 2018 with a bang. They have been one of the NFL's top units through the first two weeks. They're fourth in the NFL, allowing just 16 points per game. And just in the second with just 12 and a half points per game by the defense. Remember, both games... One opposing touchdown was scored on special teams. The Dolphins have four six turnovers so far, which is third in the NFL. Miami's pass defense leads the league in opposing passing Raider rating, limiting opposing quarterbacks to just the 56.6 mark. The rushing defense, which Houch just talked about, is limiting opponents to just 3.3 yards per carry, the third lowest mark in the NFL. Miami has allowed just three carries of 10-plus yards, tied for the fourth best in the league. So Sutton, after all of that, and as you look at these Raiders skill players, how do you see the Dolphins secondary matching up against the Raiders this coming Sunday? I think you saw the Raiders find a little bit more of a passing identity in game number two versus the Broncos. Game number one, Derek Carr looked absolutely terrible versus the Rams, three interceptions. Uh, The score was actually closer than what it could have been. And Denver 
was the complete opposite. You know, Denver has a pretty legit defense still, and he goes 29 for 32 for a touchdown and, you know, nine yards an attempt. So it depends what kind of Derek Carr we see. What I noticed, uh, the difference between the week one matchup versus the Rams and week two um, versus the Broncos was they went to some heavier formations against Denver, and I think that, uh, helped with their personnel packages a little bit better. They had better matchups. They were able to get Jared Cook lined up on some linebackers. And if there's two people to remember to to kind of focus on from past defense standpoint, it's Jared Cook and Amari Cooper. And Jared Cook has been the most heavily targeted member of the Oakland Raiders thus far. So what we're going to see is hopefully Jerome Baker is the one whose name that we hear making some plays this Sunday because Jared Cook's a pretty quick guy for a tight end, and he runs some deeper routes. So I think that works against what Kiko's good at, and I think that works against what Raekwon's good at. But I do think it fits with what Jerome is good at. So I'm hoping that we are able to uh, move things around and scheme this right so we can get Jerome matched on Jared Cook from a coverage standpoint. I think that's going to benefit us the most. When you look at Amari Cooper, we haven't seen the Dolphins shadow a wide receiver yet. So in other words, just matching a corner on a specific receiver, no matter where that receiver is lined up, I wouldn't be terribly opposed to Xavier Howard shadowing Amari Cooper um, just because I, I, think he's a a very talented wide receiver and I worry about him on McCain now no slight to Bobby McCain he's been playing very good football thus far but I do worry with the body types there so I I think Xavier gives us a little bit better of a body type matchup and these these passes are coming out fast with this Raiders offense Uh, especially week one the ball's out just a hair over two seconds you see league wide around two and a half. So you're seeing these passes come out incredibly quick. So it would not be the worst idea to play a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage and make things uncomfortable, disrupt the timings of these routes. Then uh, I have no qualms about our defensive line in this game. I think we are clearly better than the Raiders offense and we need to be able to take advantage of those matchups. Granted, the Raiders have only given up two sacks to this point, but again, that's a testament to the fact that they're passing it so quickly, not necessarily because the pass blocking is that astute. So I I do think that our defensive line is better. I think we will get a pass rush. I think we can afford to just send four and drop seven in coverage for the most part, and we'll still be able to get pressure there. And we just have to try to make things as uncomfortable for Derek Carr as possible because you've seen the uh, the peaks and the valleys thus far. So uh, if we can get to him early, I think we're going to see more of a valley type of game for Derek Carr. Son, with an incredible breakdown of the passing defense for the Miami Dolphins, we're going to see how that shakes out. But I think the Dolphins uh, and, uh, shut down the run defense first and make the Raiders one-dimensional. I think that's to their advantage if they force Derek Carr to stand back there and try to distribute the ball. Because we know John Gruden likes to play the run game. He likes to play old-school football, smash-mouth football. You take that away from their game plan, I think they're going to have a trouble adjusting on the fly, especially with the Dolphins' cornerbacks. Now, we have not touched on the special teams in the past two episodes, and I think we need to do that today because Matt Hawk had a tremendous game. We mentioned this on the recap game that we released on Sunday evening. But Matt Hawk, he's he's very good at pinning opponents deep inside their own ter- territory. Last year during his rookie season, his 
punts inside the 20. We're tied for eighth in the NFL, or the most in the league by a rookie punter in 2017. Now, alone, just against the Jets, he landed five punts inside the 20. It was the third game of Hawks' career with at least five punts inside the 20, which is a new Dolphins record despite Hawks' career spanning just 18 games. That's incredible. The five punts inside the 20 were the second most by an NFL player in this very young season. So between Matt Hawk, you know, pinning the Jets deep and really flipping the field position, that's a tremendous, huge, important part of the game that people sometimes un- underlook. Um, they don't they don't see the ebbs and flow of the game. You know, you're not, you're not going to score a touchdown every game. I mean, you're not going to score a touchdown every drive. You're not going to put points on the board every drive. Part of the game, part of the rhythm, and part of the flow is, yes, you get a few first downs, but you get enough first downs to flip the field. So you punt the ball, you pin the opposing team deep, you stop them, they punt the ball, you hopefully get better field position. Sometimes you punt the ball again, and then you try to stop them again, and then you get even better field position, and that's when you roll it in for the score. So while everyone wants a touchdown, while everyone wants a field goal every single drive, that's just not the reality. So it's important that you have a punter and a special teams unit that can flip the field position. And we saw that, and that was a huge reason, I think, why the Dolphins were victorious on Sunday against the New York Jets. Now, a Dolphins win on Sunday would mark their, like I said at the beginning of the show, they would mark their first 3-0 start since 2013 when the Dolphins also started the season 3-0. It would give the Dolphins a win in their first two games at Hard Rock Stadium for the second consecutive season, marking the first time the Dolphins have won their first two games at their home venue in consecutive seasons since 2001 and 2002. It would be Miami's 13th win in its past 18 games at Hard Rock Stadium, It would give the Dolphins wins in their first three AFC games of the season for the first time since 2001, and we all know when it comes to playoff tiebreakers, that is huge. It would break the all-time series tie with Oakland, which currently stands at 16-16-1, of course, giving Miami a one-game edge if they are victorious. It would improve the team's record to 10-1 in the last 11 games, started by quarterback Ryan Tannehill. Now... How it's Sutton, before we wrap up the show, any last words before we head into Sunday's game versus the Oakland Raiders? So one thing that I noticed in my tape study, the Raiders, is the Rams did something really peculiar week one. They threw, I kid you not, seven straight play-action passes. So I think there is something to that. Sean McVay, from what I've seen from this young man as a head coach, has been is a pretty – a sharp mind, and I, I think there's something to that. So to piggyback on what House was saying about that pass offense uh, and to reiterate, if we can get that run offense going, the play-action passing game has a real chance to, to do some damage on Sunday. Yeah, establish the run early, use that play-action pass to our advantage. Uh, I said it against the Jets. The biggest thing for me is the pass rush. You saw what they did against Sam Darnold. They pretty much engulfed him there in the backfield. You saw Robert Quinn continue to do what he does. Cameron Wake, Willie Hayes got in. Jordan Phillips with a sack. Uh, you got to get that pass rush going. And then from there, that's when, you know, the Dolphins can stop the run. They can force them into bad situations. And, and that's when this game's going to ultimately be won or lost. So for me, you got to establish a run early. Let Ryan Tannehill beat you with his arm. Do the play action pass spread out the Raiders and pick them apart underneath, but ultimately just let that pass rush go to town and stop the run, and this team will, will see great things on Sunday. 
the Raiders are a completely different team in the first half and the second half from what I've seen so far, and they're clearly a first-half team. So if we can uh, get out to an early lead and pin our ears back and make things uncomfortable for Carr, uh, I think we can reasonably expect to play better in the second half from what I've seen so far and get out to an early lead, and you can expect to get a Miami victory. I, too, think the Dolphins will be victorious against the Raiders on Sunday. I don't see how they lose this game again. That's why they play the game, but I think the Raiders are severely weakened there without one of their best defensive tackles. Of course, they traded away Khalil Mack. We saw Bruce Irvin wear down at the end of the Broncos game, just giving very little effort when you add on the humidity and the heat down in Miami that he's going to face. I don't think he makes it through the fourth quarter at full strength. Uh, I think he's going to be tapping out just like he did against the Broncos. I'm going to say 27-14 to Dolphins victory on Sunday. Just want to throw out that we just cannot approach this game with complacency. We have to acknowledge the fact that we play New England week four, and but we should not be looking ahead. And I think Adam Gase is very good at keeping uh, the players in the here and now. So I think he's going to be able to address that, that no one cares what we've done thus far. And we just need to approach each week like we're going to get a victory and my my read on this game, uh, I think we're going to get to 27, and I think Oakland's going to be at 17, so I'm going to go 27-17 Dolphins. Great. Now I feel like I'm piggybacking off something, but before we even got to these predictions, I was going 30-17 to 17 Miami. I think the Dolphins, you know, they're still underdogs. Like Sutton said, you can't look ahead to New England and how big of a matchup that'll be if Miami's 3-0 and New England's 2-1, but... Uh, this is a game the Dolphins should win. This is a game that we kind of, you know, on paper, you kind of expect the Dolphins to win. So it's probably going to be a tough matchup. We may end up seeing an upset here, but overall I'm going to stick to my gut and I'm going to think Miami wins this handily 30-17. to 17. We will see how that shakes out on Sunday as the Miami Dolphins take on the Oakland Raiders. Again, the Miami Dolphins 2-0, the Oakland Raiders 0-2. Before we wrap up the show, just a few programming notes. First of all, thank you to all who listened during Jets Week. We had over 5,500 listeners this past week. It's a new record for Finsider Radio. We look forward to increasing that number as we move forward throughout the season as we continue to build our brand. If you have not subscribed to us, do so immediately. We ask that you please rate us. We don't ask for much. We don't give you uh, you know, paid services. We don't ask you to pay for this podcast. We don't ask much, but we do ask you to please rate us wherever you can. Five stars. Leave a few good comments and get us towards the top of those charts. Also, another programming note. I will be in Miami this coming Sunday against the Oakland Raiders. Big announcement coming on Sunday, but uh, you're just going to have to wait until Sunday for that announcement. But expect some exclusive interviews next week as we finish up the Raiders game and look ahead to the New England Patriots in week four. But as they say, one game, one week at a time. And that's going to do it for us here this week on Finsider Radio. For certain, the creepy soccer down in house, MD, I am MC Money. Thank you for listening to Finsider Radio. We will talk to you next time. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami 
Fisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Carreyou, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there.